You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. Let's turn to Titus. We'll be in chapter 1. We're going to continue our study in the book of Titus that we began last week, and we are in a verse-by-verse study. And we will be starting in verse 5. To all of you that are watching at home, we're glad you're tuned in at this time. We're glad that we have a crowd here this morning. I want to remind everyone at home and here that we are still following protocol of social distance. We're cleaning. We're providing cleaner for hands as you come in and out of the building. So I just remind you of that, that this is a safe place. Don't be afraid to be here. And we welcome everyone who is at home when you feel safe to come here and be with us. We'll be studying, verse, beginning in verse 5, and we're studying the eldership. And we, as we study the eldership, we see how important this letter of Titus is on church leadership and how church leadership should operate. So let's begin in verse 5. I left you on the island of Crete so that you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Justin gave us some background last week on the book of Titus, the letter of Titus. You know, Paul had visited this island of Crete sometime between his first and second imprisonments And he had gone there to preach the gospel and to establish churches. And he had taken several men with him to help him with the work there, Titus being one of those. So when Paul left Crete, he told Titus to stay and continue working with the churches. Paul now in prison again. He's in prison in Rome and he is writing to churches throughout Asia Minor and here in the island of Crete, he has sent this letter. And he sent this letter for Titus to share with the churches there. Now here's the main point of the lesson today. Healthy churches are led by godly leaders. I'm going to repeat that. Healthy churches are led by godly leaders. In order for a church to be healthy, It needs godly leaders. So this is what Paul is directing. This is the purpose of the letter. There need to be godly leaders appointed to each church. And you say, what is the church? And there seems to be a lot of confusion about that. Sometimes when people say the church, they think you're talking about the Roman Catholic Church. The church is the church of Jesus Christ. The church is made up of people who have renounced their sin and have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They place their faith in Jesus. In a local church, such as we are here at Freedom Fellowship, a local church is an assembly of believers who are committed to one another and to Christ. Just a body of believers. And the commitment that the body of believers are to have is for Christ's purposes of seeking and saving the lost, 
to help those that are hurting and put Christ above all others, above themselves, and to put their brothers and sisters in Christ ahead of themselves. There's a body of believers. And those that are committed to this meet together under the leadership of God's ordained leaders. And that's what a local church should be, an assembly of believers. And the Scriptures place high value on believers assembling together. We're assembled here in this building together. We're assembled with those who are at home watching online. But we're a group of believers that have come together and the Scriptures say that is important. And they put high emphasis on it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the Hebrew writer says this, and not let us neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. I want to read the same verse out of the New Century Version. You should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. That means the end of times. It's amazing, isn't it? That Scripture teaches that being together as a body of believers is of the utmost importance, and yet we live in a society where people don't think being at church is important. They don't think worship is important. But I'm here to tell you, we're created to worship. We're created to lift our voices in song to God, to offer prayer to God. We're created to be an assembly of believers together. That's why we have the church. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for the church. And we got this message all wrong. And we think that the church is not important, that the local body is not important. This is what Scripture teaches, that it is important. And we look at the Bible, we see the Scripture's terms of the church, we're the family of God, we're the body of Christ, we're the bride of Christ, we're the members of the body. And tell me now why being together with an assembly of believers is not important. Tell me why. Oh, God and I have this understanding. I've heard that so many times. No, you don't have an understanding. God didn't have an understanding with you. You just made up an understanding. It's important to be in worship. It's important to give God that time to worship Him. This church, Freedom Fellowship, has an open membership. And all that means is, you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? You're welcome here. You're a member here. All you have to do is be a believer. So when Paul preached the gospel to the lost, when he was at Crete, he was in Ephesus, he was all these places, Philippi, when he went there to teach, he went there to teach and establish the local church. And he established those in each town. He went to each area he went to because he was led by the Holy Spirit to do so. It was important that people that believed gathered together. That was God's intent and God's purpose. And in doing this, God set up the, 
the leadership of the local church as we read in verse 5. He said, appoint elders in each church. Appoint elders in each town. Elders were were to be appointed. This is what God ordained. Not any man. Paul didn't come up with this. God did. Following God's instruction. So we see in Scripture that the structure of the primary leadership of the church is outlined right here. And you can look in Acts chapter 20, 1 Timothy, and the book of James and see references to elders. But unfortunately, this is not how many churches operate. They've gone away from Scripture and decided another way to do things. But as we look at the eldership, we say that there are three Greek terms that are used in Scripture to define the term elder in the New Testament. And these terms translate into, one, a mature believer. That means to be a man that has walked with God for a while. That has lived life, has gone through the ups and downs in life holding God's hand doing that. And has allowed Jesus to lead him. And then the second one is an overseer or manager. The second translation of elder. Titus 1 verse 7, the first part of that verse. is God's managers. Overseers must not be guilty of doing wrong, being selfish, or becoming angry quickly. And then the third translation is shepherd. Acts 20 verse 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church. Purchased with His own blood. Over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. This is Scripture describing the role of elders. The necessity of elders. So when Paul told Titus, you're now to appoint elders in these new churches He did not tell him to appoint one elder. He told him to appoint plural elders. Elders. Appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. There's plurality of leadership. Not one individual. Because God knows the nature of man so well. He knows how we are so well. If one man is responsible for the leadership of a church... There's no check and balance system in place. And if that man encounters sin and allows his ego to creep in, which is human nature, isn't it? In places of leadership in our secular world, then that whole church will suffer and fall into false teaching. There's not to be a CEO of a church. There's not to be a board of directors for a church. Jesus Christ can be the only head of the church. And elders are appointed to be underneath Jesus Christ. Not to follow. Not to follow the model that is described here in Titus and the other passages is not to follow Scripture. Let me say that again. 
Not to follow the scriptural model is not to follow scripture. I'm an elder of this church. And I'm under the authority of the other elders. It's not me. It's not Tom. It's not Dennis. It's not Dan. It's all of us. And we hold each other accountable. Because we have to stand before God and be accountable for what we do as leaders here. may say that Tom is a pastor. I am a pastor. But yet we're under the authority of the other elders. That's not how many churches operate. They're not following the scriptural model. Elders are to work with pastors. They're to help the pastors and the elders come up with a vision and a plan for the church with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It is not up to one man to set the prince. We have Justin now here as a pastor at our church as well. We work with him. We all work together. But we are all responsible as elders to help Justin. And he works with us. And we work with you. No one man can be in charge because that's not scriptural. We as elders answer to Jesus Christ. He said, well, if you don't have any capable leaders, let me repeat. Let me repeat what I said earlier, the main point of this lesson. A healthy church has godly leaders. Without godly leaders, there is no there is not a healthy church. If there are not men capable of leading the flock, they need to move on and absorb with another body. Oh, that sounds harsh. That's the reality of it. Because that church is dying. The church is to be led by elders. And Jesus is the only one head of the church. I'll say it again, not a CEO of a religious organization, not the builder of a financial empire, buying jet planes and lavish homes, is to be led by elders. And each church is responsible for appointing men who are capable. There's a high standard set for elders. The bar is raised high, and the one who set the standard is Jesus Christ. And the elders are to lead and point people to Jesus. The eyes of the church should be on, the, on our Savior, the head of the church, Jesus Christ, not on one of man. Jesus didn't seek fortune. He sought out the lost. Jesus sought out the hurting and the despondent, the rejects of society. Jesus brought hope to hurting people, not prosperity to the rich. See, we live in a time in which superstar mentality has taken over many churches, over many pastors, where preachers and pastors are idolized and treated like superstars. And the following of people seems to be on that man and not Jesus. They're followed on social media like celebrities and the emphasis is on their personality 
and not the message of the gospel. Social media can be a good thing to spread the gospel, but it can be a bad thing too if we don't use it correctly. You see, when you have those that teach prosperity and wealth, you have lack of biblical leadership because that's false teaching. Christ has blessed many people with wealth. But I'm going to tell you what my dad used to say, it rains on the just and the unjust. There's a lot of evil people that are rich as well. So we can't say that Jesus gave all that to everybody. Some people are blessed. Some people are evil. And they get their wealth. But if a man stands in a pulpit and teaches people that if they'll believe in Jesus Christ, they'll become millionaires as long as they give him his share, that's false teaching. And there are people out there who are living in multi-million dollar homes because God told me to buy this house. God told me to buy this plane. No, it wasn't God told you. That was Satan. And people believe the lie who give because they want something out of it for themselves. Isn't that our nature? I'll do this, but you do this for me. Jesus gave it all. He said, just believe. Just follow. I don't need your money. I need you to help the poor. I need you to feed people. I need you to seek out the lost. That's what Jesus wants us to do. And people who spend millions and millions of dollars on themselves and there's a world of hurt out there, they will face God for that. That's what we're, the times we're living in. Biblical leadership is about washing people's feet. And it's not always comfortable. But it's what we have to do. Biblical leadership is about pointing people to Jesus Christ. And it's about giving up authority and control. If you want your life to change, give up control and submit to Jesus. And how many people in positions of authority are willing to give up control and submit to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to lead? That's not the American way, is it? To have real spiritual growth in a church, all control has to be given over to Jesus. The desires and wants of an individual can't be the thing that drives a church. And that's why there has to be plurality of leadership. That's why God designed for elders to lead the congregation and not a one elder or pastor to lead the church. There has to be plurality of leadership. In order for the Holy Spirit to get involved, we've got to get out of the way and let Him work. What we have to pray for, and what elders have to pray for, is that our will aligns with God's will. In the way that this eldership works here, at this church, we don't have a majority-minority rule on decisions. We have... We all agree or we table it. 
It's not going to be, well, I've got three votes and there's one sitting over there. No. There's not two to two. No. It's going to be all or none. Because as we consult the Lord on decisions, we want Him to lead us. And if we don't come to a unanimous decision, then then something's not right. And we need to step back and we need to pray about it some more. And if it comes up that way again, we move on. Because it's the Lord's church. It can't be a platform for what I want or what I want to see happen. It's got to be what the Lord wants to see happen here. Again, healthy churches are led by godly leaders. Those are people who put God's will above their own. Verses 6 through 9, Paul gives the qualifications for elders. We'll read through these quickly. We're not going to talk about each one. We've done that some weeks ago. But an elder must live a blameless life. Verse 6, he must be faithful to his wife and his children, must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. A church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must be not be a heavy drinker, violent or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. He must love what is good. He must live wisely and just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. I want to put some emphasis here on verse 9. One area of competency that is mentioned here is a strong belief. Look at it again, verse 9. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. The New American Standard says this, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he'll be able to exhort and sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. Elders must hold firm to the Word. Elders are responsible for sound doctrine. An elder has to know the Word of God thoroughly. He has to be one who studies, who digs deep into the Word, consults the Holy Spirit. And one of the most serious tasks of an elder is to be responsible for what is taught in a church. As the teaching goes in a church, so goes the church. Sound doctrine. That's simply following the Word of God. To believe that the Word of God is infallible, that it is eternal, that it doesn't change, that what God said centuries ago is just as real today as it was the day it came out of His mouth. God doesn't change, neither does His Word. And that's what it's talking about here. Be faithful to the Word. Be a sound teaching. Many churches have moved away from sound teaching because society has deemed God's Word is not acceptable. And people who are in the prosperity business want to tickle others' ears so they don't lose their income. 
Be less condemning sounding. Don't preach against sin. They've lost their way because of lack of biblical leadership. They've bought into the lie of Satan. They've polluted the Word of God. Elders must hold fast to the Word of God. You must have the courage to contradict those who are teaching false doctrine. Elders must have the courage to say, if something is being told or taught in error, to say, that's error, and we're not going to have it here. That's what he's talking about, being able to rebuke those who are teaching things that are not according to the truth. So the responsibility of an elder is great in many areas, but this is really a serious part of his his responsibilities. That the truth be taught. Not opinions, not as what's socially acceptable, but the truth. The truth. Paul addressed how to handle those who spread discontent in verse 11 of this chapter. And and Tom will be going into that more detail. But he simply says, they must be silenced because they're turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And they do it only for money. Centuries ago, this was written. But isn't it true today? We need elders who are leading churches with conviction and courage and stick to God's Word. They teach it with authority. They teach it with power. And they teach it with passion. Because it's the truth. And we need elders who have the courage to rebuke false teaching. Not be afraid to tell it like it is. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Is either right or wrong, and no in between. So the bar is set high for elders. If you're looking for perfection out of me, you're not going to find it. I don't have gray hair because of wisdom. I have it because of all the mistakes I've made in life. But you're not going to find perfection in any of these elders. What you're going to find are men who pursue God and pursue the truth. And we hold each other accountable. And that's what should happen at all churches. But I want to speak to the men of the church in that the characteristics that we read about in verses 6-9 through are characteristics that all men should aspire to. Not that all men will become an elder, but some men will. But the things in which are written here in verses 6-8 through are important for all men being the spiritual leaders of their family. Be a one-woman man. Be sexually pure. Be a good father. Be a good leader in a home. Don't be arrogant or quick-tempered. Not violent. Love what is good. Live a devout life for God. Be faithful to God's Word. These are the characteristics, not only of an elder, but a man leading his family. And leading your family 
with these characteristics prepares you for further service down the road as well in the church of our Lord and Savior. I want to ask all the men to stand, please. Some of you have been dads. That job's over. Your grandfather's now. That's a different job as well. Some have no children, have none, not married. But yet, the things which are talked about here apply to all of us at some point. But I want to just pray right now for the men of our congregation at home and here. Father, it is my prayer that as we look at this message today, we remember that you raise leaders up out of a church, that you do that. And Father, we pray for the future of our church here at Freedom Fellowship, that you will raise leaders up out of this church in the future. As time goes by, that we we have new leaders emerge and new leaders come about because they're prepared and they're ready. Father, that is something you do. And I pray that every man here aspires to be a better man of God with all these characteristics. And I pray for the women of this congregation as their roles are so important in this church that you guide the women as they assist their husbands, guide the women as they assist their sons, and show them the godly example that a woman of God is. Thank you, Father. And again, we put this in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. You can sit down. I want to remind you that healthy leaders, I'll ask the worship team to come on up. Healthy leaders mean they're godly leaders. A healthy church is led by godly leaders. We've spent a lot of time talking about the leadership of men in the church because that's where the scripture led us this morning. But godly women have an important role. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my wife. Her patience and endurance with me when I was a young man. Because I certainly wasn't ready as a young man to serve in this capacity. But because of her love and dedication to God and to me, I'm able to stand before you and, and preach the Word of God. That's how vitally important the women's roles are in the home as a mom and a husband. Now this morning as we conclude, I hope the message struck a nerve the importance of the characteristics of being a leader in the home and a leader in the church in that we examine the scriptures and we follow the scriptures and not just take for granted because that's the way grandpa used to do it. And that's the way it's always been. It's time that we always examine the truth and study for ourselves. And I hope that this morning I've pointed you to toward looking at the scripture and studying for yourself. So as we stand, the worship team is going to play and, and God bless all of you. and Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard 
in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.